Good morning, church. It's good to be here. This morning I want to talk to you about Psalm 8. Let's start that slide, shall I always feel like I'm going to hang myself with this cord before I'm done. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens, and out of the mouths of babes and infants you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him just a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This psalm contains, it is, something called an inclusio. An inclusio is a literary device that's commonly used in the scripture. It's the same phrase at the beginning of a thought that a writer is trying to get across, and then he repeats that same line, that same idea, at the end of it. And so it kind of boxes off the whole idea. So notice the first verse, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then look at the last verse, O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. The same line. This is an inclusio. What the writer is trying to tell you is, I have one main idea I'm trying to get across to you. You'll find this throughout Scripture. When you see it, take note of it. And look at the the stuff between. Because although sometimes it looks like there's a bunch of different ideas... The writer is telling you by making the inclusio, there's one main idea. This all this stuff that I'm talking to you about, it all interrelates somehow. Now after that first verse, he talks about out of the mouths of babes and infants, God establishing strength, praising God and how he does things in the most unimaginable of ways. You want to make a strong fortress? You want to protect it? You don't find a bunch of babies to take care of it for you. You find an army. You put strong men around it. You build a fortress to protect it, but not God. He's above that. Out of the mouths of babes, he prepares strength. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what is man you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You know, can you see the psalmist out on a, on a clear night and he's looking up at the stars and he sees the, 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 the size of creation, the immense vastness of space. You've probably done it yourself and you feel about this big, right? You don't feel like you've got much place in there. What is going on? What is this huge place? Here I am so small. And yet he goes on to say, Here's the amazing thing. You care about me. You care about man. You care about the son of man. That became a a title that Jesus often used for himself, right? 
called himself the son of man. It was a way of identifying. It's a term about humanity, being human. He wants us to understand he's like us. He knows what it is to be trapped inside one of these bodies. He knows the hardships. He gets it. He didn't just sit off in heaven and look down at us. And Because he's God, he knows everything and expect us to understand. Well, he's God, he knows what I'm feeling. No, he took on flesh and blood just like yours, just like mine. He knows because he's been through it. He cares for you. He loves you. And now here's the parallel. God cares for us so much. How does that, how does that care work itself out? Verse 6, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, sheep and oxen. What God does, God being God, has all dominion, right? He rules over everything. And you know how much he cares for you? He created you in such a way that you share that dominion with him. No other creature on the face of the earth has dominion. We share a lot of things with animals. You ever look in the face of a dog, you know when you talk to that dog, he's understanding what you're saying, right? He, under, he knows his place. He knows when he's done wrong and you tell him so. You see the look of shame? <laughs> he knows it. He gets it. And when he does something good and you praise him, he's jumping around waiting for that little dog biscuit to come flying his way. We share a lot of things with, uh, with other uh, creatures. But only man has dominion. Only man has been given dominion over the earth. Can you go to the next slide, please? Genesis 1, 26 and 27. So God said, let us make man on, in our image after our likeness. And notice the next thought. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the livestock over all. We just read something very similar in, that, in Psalm 8, didn't we? Look, what the writer, look at the two ideas that God puts together for us here. He's going to make man in his image. That's what he's doing. And how does he do it? He gives us dominion. You and I have been given dominion over this world. We need to exercise it somehow. How does that work itself out? This idea of having dominion is, is not a popular one with the world. They think about dominion and they think about people destroying the environment, polluting it. They think about people uh, using uh, their God-given abilities to exploit one another so that they can take your money and make it my money so I can go out and do what I want to do and you're left poor. They see others having dominion over them and we see ourselves as victims sometimes. But that's not the kind of dominion that God was talking about. When Jesus Christ came in the, in the flesh, he came. If anyone ever had dominion, he has dominion as being the Lord God of all creation and he has dominion as a human being just like all the rest of us given dominion from the Father. He had dominion. He could have called for his angels to deliver him from his trials at any point. But what did he choose to do with the dominion 
that was given to him. He shut his mouth. He did the will of the Father. He spent three years going around being misunderstood, being mistreated. And you know how it ended. Go to the next slide for me. In Galatians 1, <clears throat> Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is, verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. That's what having dominion meant for Jesus. Sacrificing himself, dying so that you can live, so that I can be whole again. Restoring us back. That's what having dominion means. That's what it ought to mean for us. That's why God gave us dominion, to do with it the things that God does with his dominion. Can I have the next slide, please? S&H green stamps. How many people remember S&H green stamps? Oh, yeah. I love it. <clears throat> now, for those of you who are too young to remember, back in the late 50s and somewhere through the 60s, when you went to the market, when you shopped for food, when you shopped for gas at the gas, wherever you stopped, when you paid your bill, you got your change back, and you got green stamps. The more you spent, the more green stamps. And what do you do with green stamps? Well, yeah, there's books, right? They'd give you, they, you'd get these little booklets about yay big, and it'd be just empty pages with little cutouts, little dotted lines where you're supposed to stick the stamps. And you would fill these books with stamps. And you redeem them. Yeah, that's where we're going. That's, what, that's the point I want to make. You would collect these stamps. And Now, what's a, what's a book of stamps, right? It's a bunch of paper stamps with some glue that are glued onto another piece of paper. In and of itself, not really worth a whole lot, is it? It has no real value. It's just a paper book with a paper stamp glued onto it. But, although the paper wasn't worth much, you could redeem them. There, there used to be redemption centers. And you would take your green stamps and you'd go to the redemption center and you'd turn in your books and, you, and I mean, it was amazing. You could get furniture. You could get... Uh, Elsie? <laughs> I didn't know you could get Bibles, but you could get Bibles. You could get cookware. Now, see, what my parents did was, I have two brothers, and they would save the books, right? And that whenever we had a few, we'd get some little thing, they'd give them to one of us, and we could go get something that we wanted. And it was a big deal to get the books and go do the... And I remember, I was about nine or ten years old, and we had some books, and Dad said, it's your turn, you get what you want. And we went to the Redemption Center, and I got a Presto hot dogger. Oh, yeah. It's a little, 
it's a little boxy kind of thing, you know. And inside there'd be on one side a row of like little metal spikes and on the other side another row. And you would stick the hot dog on either side and when you close the cover, electric current would go through and it would electrocute the hot dog, cook the hot dogs for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember in the wintertime, my dad, we used to have this big old stove, oil-burning stove in the kitchen, you know. And on a Friday morning, before you go to work, dad would make some beans, make a nice big pot of beans. It would cook all day Friday, all day Saturday till Saturday night, like 36 hours. It'd be so good. And then come time for dinner on Saturday night, and I'd get my hot dogger out. <laughs> put the hot dogs in, electrocute a dozen or so of them, and then we <laughs> and we would sit down to hot dogs and beans on a Saturday, a cold Saturday night supper. Good memories. See, those books of stamps, they're not worth much. They're just paper. But a presto hot dogger, you can do something with that or a Bible, you can do something with that. That's what redemption means. You take something that has potential value, but not real value, not yet. Those books had potential to turn into something good, valuable, but they were just books of stamps. They were just filled with those S&H green stamps. And you, you redeem it, and now you've got something that's meaningful, something that has value. I want to tell you this morning, church, by the blood of Christ, you have been redeemed. When God originally created man, he gave him dominion over all the earth, all the birds of the air, the animals of the ground, and the fish in the sea. That's what we were meant to be like. See, there's just this one little problem, though. There was this one tree, an apple tree, and God said, don't touch it. We touched it. We ate from it, all of us. And when we did, all that potential that God had invested in us, it got locked up. It turned into green stamps. A potential to, to be something good, to do something meaningful. But it never, it, it can't work itself out in a sinful heart. It can't work. It's tied up. It has the ability, there's sometimes even the desire to do good, but sin gets in the way. Sin spoils everything. When Christ redeemed you, he turned in the green stamps and gave you back you. All that you were meant to be, all that you were created to do and to be is now possible. You are redeemed. You are now whole again. Can I have the next slide? St. Paul, <clears throat> as he's traveling around, spreading the gospel, he spent his whole life studying, right? He worked so hard to understand the law, to be able to interpret it for people. But when God finally knocked him off his high horse and got hold of him, he realized his purpose, all that law, all that study, that, that wasn't what he was about. There was more to his life. And this is how he sums it up. 
I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Now hold on a minute. What's lacking? What didn't Christ do that needed doing? He did it all, didn't he? He paid it all. His sacrifice is perfectly sufficient for every one of us, for every human being on the face of this planet. What Christ has done is enough. So what's Paul talking about? What's the missing part that Paul has to fill up, that Paul has to play? See, Jesus died, and his blood is sufficient in the eyes of God the Father that every sin that I commit, that every sin that you commit can be forgiven. But if you never hear that message, if you don't know that word, if the truth of that statement never comes real in your life, you're still lost, despite all that Jesus has done. What's lacking, what's missing, is getting that word out through the entire world that everyone on the face of the earth can hear what Christ has done for them, that salvation can be brought to others. That's what Paul was about. That's what Paul was doing. That's the missing piece. He worked his tail off going everywhere. Excuse me, I got to untie myself. He had to go and spread that word everywhere. That was what God impressed on his heart. And he couldn't be satisfied. He couldn't rest. No matter what happened to him, it didn't matter. He had to bring that message to make it known. We're in that same kind of place with Paul. Every one of us, the Bible says, has been given a gift. Can we have the next slide? So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. So let's use them. If it's prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If in service, then in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And I got another scripture. Uh, The next one, please. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given the Spirit... uh, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another, faith, by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing, by the one Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Nobody is excluded Everybody gets something. God has given you a gift. You get to exercise your dominion because you have been redeemed. You've been brought up to full value. There is no reason that you can't, whatever gift that you've been given, there's nothing that's going to stop you. The presence of God's Holy Spirit living inside of you empowers you and enables you to do whatever it is he wants you to do.
Everybody's got something. God created us in his image to have dominion over the animals of the field, the birds of the sky, and the fish of the sea. It's up to us now, redeemed individuals, to take that dominion, to do what God has empowered us, and in us, living in us, is enabling us to do. Next one, please. Okay, shameless plug for my Sunday school class. Beginning in two weeks from today, we're going to be studying this book, Experiencing God by Blackaby. It's a classic. And in this book, what he, what he talks about, what he's interested in, is helping us to look inside, into ourselves. Who are you in Christ? What are the gifts that God is giving you? How can you work with God to let that work itself out in your life so that you become profitable? You become useful to God. You actually see fruition because of the things that God leads you to do. Jesus said he came that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. This is what he's talking about. It's about being and doing what God has invested in you to be and to do so that he accomplishes his will and you will know a joy in your heart. When you do what, when you, when you be the person God meant for you to be, there's nothing like that, I tell you. There's nothing like that. One last slide. From one of the letters to Timothy, 2 Timothy, I think. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. In verse 6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. That's how you exercise dominion. You find the place that God is, the niche, the place that God has carved out for you, and you give yourself body and soul to serving our Lord and Master. And you will know joy unspeakable. I promise you. You will know him. Whether you become part of this Sunday school class or not, that isn't the issue. The issue is this. Verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. That's the message. That's what I want to leave you with this morning. Search the scriptures. Search your own heart. Who are you in Christ? What is it that God wants to do in you? You have a purpose. There's nobody exactly like you. There's no one that God wants to do in that person, someone else, what he wants to do in you. You are special in his eyes. So special that his own son was, allowed, was, was asked by the father to suffer and die like a dog so that you could be redeemed. And there's a reason for you to be redeemed, to, to save us, hallelujah. But then 
to do what he wants to do, to be a part of sharing that message that the church can grow, that others can know, so that the message can go throughout all the earth. There's one thing missing in the sacrifices of Christ, one thing that needs to be added on. That message has to get out, and somehow God wants to use you to get that message out. Seek him with all your heart. Go after him. Nothing will bring you greater joy. Nothing will mean more. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you that you give us dominion. Lord, by your Holy Spirit dwelling within each believer, empower us and enable us as we seek you and as we look for your leading, Lord, to know ourselves, to find our place in you, and then to pour ourselves out, to use up the life force within us that you give us, to give it back to you, to be a blessing to you, to accomplish in our lives what it is you intend for us to do. Thank you, Lord God, for that ability. Thank you for, for sharing what only you have, your dominion, you share with us. Help us to take it seriously and to spend ourselves in service to you, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the honor in Christ's name. Amen.